0: This is the Mount Carmel Christian Church Podcast. Today, Senior Minister Deedee Dee Bacon will be teaching the message. Your minister here, and it falls upon me to be the one to help navigate us through a conversation with God's Word. We've been working through uh, the book of James. Today is the last in a series Working through James, that we're going to be going through, but uh, today we wrap up that and it falls on me to to guide us in that. And my goal, my prayer is that it will be a conversation. While I will be speaking, uh, my hope is that God will work through me and through this time to speak to you, and in that you will engage and hear what He has to say to you regarding your walk of faith in this life. Also, pray that uh, you would also take it upon you as you practice your faith to be someone who introduces yourself to others whom God brings into your life, those people who you know their name and they know you, and that you have been assigned by God, these few people assigned by God to invest in them, to give to them what God has blessed you with. And it may be that you uh, share with them the truth about how to be made right with God through faith based on your experience. You tell them what's called the gospel, the good news. It may be that you will be sharing your faith. It may be that you might be uh, challenging them in their thinking, uh, in their perspective if they're uh, out of line with where God is. Whatever it is, we pray that uh, you not only know folks' name, but you make that commitment to give what God has given you to help them in their faith walk. You know, one place where I, I believe where we can know who God has called us uh, to to minister to is to look at your contacts. How many of you have a phone? And how many of you have contacts? All those names. Uh, some of them are perhaps small business associates. But in your contacts, I can guarantee you have the names of those individuals whom you are regularly communicating with, you're regularly pouring life into. And I love it. I do a lot of texting and text a lot of people. I think it's amazing where you can you pull up your text and you start typing the name of the person you want to communicate with. How many of you do phones do this? I'm sure it does. automatically fills in the line to that and fills that in. I love doing that. Now, one of the things for me, as as a, as a male, with texting, I'm not a long texter, but I like to use emojis. How do you say it? Emojis, because you know what's the saying? A picture captures a thousand words. Well, I'm thinking one of these little pictures could at least capture three three paragraphs of communication. And, uh, and as a guy, you know, that's perfect for me because, you know, I'll have this long text and I'll just send back an emoji. So I was going through my uh, frequently used emojis the other day, just kind of seeing the kind of the emojis that I've been using regularly. And, and so I want to share with you some of those. Uh, it's always a fun exercise to go to that section on your phone to see that. Uh, this one is a common one that I use. It basically means, yeah, got it, all's good. And it's usually sent to a certain individual where there's a lot of conversation, and I'm basically saying, yeah, no more talking, please. You know, that's good. That's a man thing, right? Yeah, got it, no more. Let's be done with that. Uh, we're good, right? Yes, confirmation. Awesome. This is another emoji I get to use. I don't know about you. It's called a grimace face. And I use the Grimace Face primarily because uh, I'm, I'm usually in trouble. I did something that may be dangerous or, or whatever, and I'm like, sorry, you know, that kind of thing. It's not Grimace Face that I'm in in, in trouble. It's Grimace Face like, uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know I'm pushing the limits or whatever I've done. Uh, that's what I mean by, by my Grimace Face. Of course, uh, I use a lot of Laughy Face with tears. How many like using Laughy Face with tears? Of course, we know the system, right? If something has one laughing face with tears, it's it's funny, but if you have three, it's hilarious, and if you like have seven, it's like really really funny. Ha 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 ha! That's the old LOL, right? Uh, the laughing face with tears. I use that a lot. Now, this this emoji has been coming up a lot, particularly the last couple of weeks. Prayer hands. How many of you been sending a lot of prayer hands? Yeah, me too. It seems I'm saying a lot of prayer hands, particularly in these times and these days. Prayer hands because people are telling me that uh, they're asking me to pray. They're sharing with me because of health issues. Yeah, more people I know are, are getting COVID. More people I know have loved ones who have COVID. But it goes beyond that, it's, it's the other stuff that happens in life, and it just seems like it's popping up more, surgeries, serious illnesses from cancer, and, and, and all sorts of other things happening where, where people are sharing with me and I'm, I'm sending them the prayer hands. Or well, they're sending me, uh, sharing with me struggles that they're having with, within their marriages or with their child-rearing or with their, their finances or, or just the, the, the life. There's, I'm sending a lot of prayer hands these days. I'm sending a lot of prayer hands because we're living in troubled times. And I don't think I have to dive deep into it. Uh, I can just say it and I think we all know it, right? We're in troubled times. It's been troubling in the past, it's troubling today, and we just have the sense that it's going to be troubling tomorrow. How many of you wake up just with a sense of, of dread thinking, okay, what, what, what's going to be next? What, what's next, right? How much is the count going to be for people who have been infected? Or who would think a truck would blow up on the Brent Spence Bridge, close that bridge down for how many months, and cause so much hassle for people traveling that way? It seems to me that we're living in troubled times, and, and, and quite honestly, it seems like, to me, these are troubling than, more troubling than usual. Hence, we're sending a lot of emoji prayer hands. You know... I think about this year and I think about what has been going on, and I come to realize that we're also living in a time where things seem to become very evident. uh, Let me say it this way it's like the the veil, the curtains being pulled back, and we're going to see things as they are. No shame, no, no hiding, no distraction. We're seeing things as they are. And what I've come to realize is this, that the concept of safety and security and everything going great all the time, that's an illusion. In fact, the story of Scripture is that from the beginning, when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and sin entered the world, we're told that the story of humanity will be that we live in a fallen world, and this world will be a world of trouble. We're either coming from trouble, going into trouble, or in the middle of trouble. We live in a world with trouble, a fallen world. And that trouble won't be finally fixed until the day Jesus returns and makes all things new. Jesus promised his followers, you will face trouble. And that, to me, seems to be what we're living through in these times. And I'm grateful for that reality for this reason, because trouble has been something that Jesus' followers, people of faith, have been dealing with since the beginning. And as we think about James, as we think about the letter of James, what I came to realize is that James was writing to people of faith enduring trouble, very much similar trouble to us. James was the son of Mary and Joseph, the half-brother of Jesus. He becomes a leader of the first century church in Jerusalem. It's thought that James writes the letter that we read in 60 A.D. Now, if you do your math, Jesus rose from the dead about 33 A.D. In other words, the church had been around about 30 years. And the church in Jerusalem in particular was was, was, was growing and, and gaining in momentum, but they at this time were in trouble. First of all, they were in economic trouble. We know from history that this part of the world was enduring a massive drought, and because it was an Agorian society, because it was a society that, that relied on agriculture, when there was a drought, it meant trouble economically. The economic engine was slowed down, and people would, would begin to struggle when it came to their livelihood. And so it makes, it's no surprise that James, in a lot of his letter, is dealing with the issue of, of looking to wealth as the means to endure trouble if you read the whole letter you'll see that he 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 calls out the believers time and time again to say hey don't look to wealth don't rely on wealth don't be treating wealthy people special at this time why would they want to do that it was well because they will they were thinking hey we need some people with money in our congregation in order to endure the trouble you see what happens in times of trouble is that who we trust and who we follow and what we believe begin to be made known. See, it was a church in trouble, not only economically, they were a church in trouble because they were facing persecution, localized persecution. The authorities of the day, the government officials of the day, were turning against Jesus' followers. And so James writes to these Christians in times of trouble, and he writes to challenge them. To challenge them to trust in God. To challenge them to not look to the other things that we have a tendency to look to when we face trouble. But instead, to trust in God and to live out that trust as Jesus' followers, part of a community. And he describes what that looks like for us here in James chapter 5. I'm going to read to you James chapter 5, beginning at verse 13. He says, is anyone among you suffering? Is anyone among you suffering? What's the response? He says, then he must pray. <laughs> is anyone cheerful? Is anyone having good stuff going on in their life? What's the response to be? He is to sing praises. Is anyone among you sick? Then he must call for the elders of the church. And they are to pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. By the way, uh, our elders at this church do this. And so if you are wanting this in your life, let us know and we will set it up. And the prayer offered in faith will restore the one who is sick, and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, they will be forgiven. Therefore confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. You know, I know a lot of you, and I've heard this a lot, and maybe you felt this, maybe you've said this, I just can't wait for 2020 to be done. <laughs> I just can't wait for 2021 to come. I get it. I'm looking for 2021. First of all, my youngest son will get married in July of 2021, which is exciting for us. Secondly, uh, my, my wife turns that significant milestone age that I can't remember. She, she, she returns to 29 and, 2021. and thirdly, we've just heard the news that um, I will be a grandfather in 2021. Yeah. Do I look old enough to be a grandfather, Randy? No, you, shut up. Shut up. My eldest daughter, Valerie. Now, apparently the timing is, is that I got a wedding in July, and also the timing of the Babel's arrival is also in July. So that should be fun. And if, if it's going to be true to bacon form, it'll probably happen all on the same day it will be good. Fun times. I'm looking forward to 2021, but I honestly, we've got to be careful with this desire for this trouble to be over, with 2020 to be over, that we don't want to rush through 2020. Here's what I'm going to say. Don't rush through 2020 without taking the opportunity that God is providing for us. And it's an opportunity that is significant. See, it's dawned on me that God has given us 2020 so that we can see things clearly This trouble has forced us to see things clearly. We've been given opportunity to have 2020 vision. The veil is being torn back, and we can see where people stand. We can see how things are. We can evaluate who we are in light of this trouble. This trouble will point out to who we really trust. Don't miss out on the opportunities that 2020 has provided. And so this Thanksgiving, however you're celebrating Thanksgiving, I encourage you to get with your family and do an honest inventory of the things you are thankful for in 2020, the blessings that you have received from God through this season of trouble. I don't know how many times I've heard people, you know, 2020 has allowed me the opportunity to spend time with family and friends in a such a, a deeper more meaningful way it slowed us down from the insanity of rush and allowed us to 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 have some depth my life was was a was a mile wide and just half an inch deep 2020 has really allowed and reminded me of what's important 2020 has brought to mind what, what it means to be a Jesus follower. I'm no longer part of the machinery of church and doing this and the, uh, coming to church and just doing that. No, I've now evaluated where I stand with God and how it is to look. And I've, I've really come to appreciate that that I am the church. That I am not... Church is not a place, but church is a collective collection of individuals seeking to be obedient to what God calls me to do. and And I am now living in defiance of the trends by being obedient to God, to live faithfully, to invest what God gives me in those whom uh, God has assigned to me in the few, those who I know, I, I know their name and I'm giving to them what God has given me to help them. 2020 has an opportunity to see things clearly. And what I see is James provides this roadmap, brings to light the fact that 2020 has allowed us to endure to some degree what I will call the Job test. How many are familiar with Job? Online? You can put up a wavy face. I don't know. Uh, A wavy hand. Here's Job's story. It's it's kind of an obscure, strange, strange book in the Old Testament, but Job is the story of this righteous man named Job, and he's called Righteous because he walked right with God he did everything correctly as far as honoring God and God honored him he had wealth he had a great family he had just everything was great and and Job was so conscientious about living for God that he would like he would offer extra sacrifices on behalf of his kids just in case they perhaps may have offended God I mean that's how the guy was Well in Job kind of summarizing here Job is is Satan has a conversation with God, and God brings up Job, and Satan accuses Job of basically uh, being faithful to God. His faith is all predicated, all based upon all the good treatment God provides. He says, you won't let me touch him, and everything's good for him. Of course he's going to follow you. And the accusation is, look, take away all the blessings, and I bet you Job will curse you. And what we have, then, is the story of God saying, okay. And in that, you say, why would he do that? Well, why he's doing that is because he's showing exactly the nature of what faith is to be all about. And Job loses everything, his family, his wealth, his health. And in the whole middle part of Job, he has this conversation with these friends that basically accuse him of doing what's wrong, and they go back and forth, and Job struggles, and and, and he deals with the trouble of his life, and quite honestly, I think he comes really close to giving up on God. But he doesn't. He doesn't. And in the end, God shows up and speaks to Job directly. And in that, Job gets exactly what God was doing. It's captured in the the last, this verse, Job 42, verse 3 through 6. This is Job speaking to God. Surely I spoke of things I did not understand. All the stuff I was saying, I, I didn't get it. Things too wonderful for me to know. You said, he's referring to God, listen now and I will speak, I will question you, and you shall answer me. And this is the line. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. In times of trouble, our faith in God is made known. And Job comes to realize that the trouble that he has faced has brought him to the place where he can see God at work. Trouble is an opportunity to see things clearly and to see God in our lives. I had heard of you, God, when things were going great and hunky-dory. I lived according to what I had heard, and I was obedient to that. But now through trouble, I've been able to bring it to another level where I'm able to see who you are, to see you work in my life. This is what James is pointing to with the community of faith. In times of trouble, see them as opportunities to see God at work. And that in of itself is the greatest of all blessings. To learn that God is God and we are not. Going back to my emojis, this is what I think the message is this. Times of trouble, 2020, has taught me to hold on to life with prayer hands. To hold on to life with prayer hands. Not to hold on to life with gripped hands, controlling hands, manipulative hands, demanding hands. No, to hold on to life with prayer hands. To hold on to life dedicated to trusting God in the details of my life so that I might see Him. And so when I'm in trouble, I will pray. Why? Because I will look to the trouble... And in acknowledgment, the trouble says, okay, this is beyond me. I'm going to seek God. When things are going well, as James said, when I have, <laughs> have reason to be cheerful, I'm going to acknowledge God, prayer hands. If I am sick, I'm going to acknowledge God in His work through the community of faith. In that, I'm going to ask the elders, I'm going to ask the church to activate The ministry, the gifts that are being given, so that I may see God at work and the prayers offered up by the community of faith will be effective in bringing healing, in bringing change, in bringing transformation. Hold on to life with prayer hands. Let me come another way, and this is something for every one of us to, to take and exercise. Those of you at home, you can say it out loud amongst the, the group that you're here, if you're here, sitting, I want to let's ask this question, honestly ask this question. In light of my life right now, what would change if I trusted God? What would change? What would change in me? Right? I know we, we're saying, well, I will trust God and I would see good things. No, let's think of it this way. What would change in the way I lived if I really trusted God? What would change? How would your attitude change? How would your perspective change? How would the way you operate change if I really trusted God? How would the way you would deal in your relationships and uh, in, in, in the way you manage your finances and in the way you practice your faith if I really trusted God? Now, I asked this question, and I want you to know that this question is not, uh, I understand it's not an easy one, it's not a hypothetical one. It, it, it hits me hard. It hit me hard last week. My mother and father were served as kind of missionaries in Zimbabwe, Africa. It's where I grew up. Uh, long story short, we left and went into ministry. They returned to Africa. I stayed here. But mom and dad uh, served in, as missionaries working with orphanage, dealing with the, the AIDS pandemic that occurred there. Many people were dying from that back a back few years ago, but working in missionary, working in the church, gave up family, home, to dedicate to the calling that God has given to them. Last year, mom was with us, and uh, she was with us in 2019 so that uh, she could attend my daughter Valerie's wedding, and it was good to see her. The thought was, you know, we're coming to the point where she lived in this retirement community. She was comfortable there. She enjoyed it there. But I could see the writing on the wall. that was going to be probably time for her to, to think about moving, but we were moving at a, at a steady pace. And She came here, and we enjoyed time together, but I began to see a deterioration. In 2008, she had a stroke, a major stroke, and then since then, she had dealt with minor TIAs. She she has atrial fib, had to manage that. Um, That was a difficulty because of the complications of getting medication in Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe used to be a fantastically well-run country. Now it's fallen apart. The economy is tanked. Uh, it's just a great example of, of, of government mismanagement <laughs> and government abuse. But that country, everything's falling apart. Uh, let me give you an example. You know, I looked at her bank account just the other day. It has 10,000 Zimbabwe dollars. You know what 10,000 Zimbabwe dollars is worth? Less than $100 U.S. Can you imagine paying your bills? You go, you go oh, i got 10 grand in the bank. <laughs> no, you can't even afford pretty much three loaves of bread, whatever. So the situation in Zimbabwe has fallen apart, which in effect has led to the fa- led to the reality that she, the place she stayed, she can no longer be there. She was with us here. She went back to my sisters in England. While she was there, she had a pretty significant TIA. Was in the hospital. Put her back, the plans to go back to Zimbabwe didn't work. Uh, my dad had, pa- had passed away in 2015, so she's a widower and processing with that. So there's a lot of heaviness happening. She had the stroke, uh, and then when she recovered from the stroke, then COVID hit and meant that she was basically stuck with my sister in, in a little place, living in a room. Uh, things are just not turning out well. About three weeks ago, uh, she had to be rushed to the hospital, congestive heart failure issues. Quite honestly, um, we thought she w- we were going to lose her. Um, but true to form, my mom decided, no, no, not today. Uh, as she said, I'm not crossing the river today. I'm like, okay, um, stay, off, stay off the boat. Uh, <laughs> but she, it's just not good. And, and a couple of days ago, I don't know if you've had a conversation. Um, she said, Didi, I just can't believe where my life has turned out, and I can't believe what's happened to me, and I can't believe, I can't pray, I can't, I just want to die. And I hear that, and my heart breaks, not only because it's my mom, but there's an element in me and say, like, wait a minute, what is going on? God, how is this right? The righteous person, a faithful person, a person that has given up her life in so many ways to serve you, how is it right that she is ended up in this situation, in these circumstances, in the midst of, of a well of trouble upon trouble upon trouble? Why, God, why? Quite honestly, uh, my first inclination, those of you who know me, I was like, okay, let's get to action, let's go, let's, let's get things done. I can't do that why because you know you know to travel to england is is restricted and to be honest with you when i get there there's not much more i can do that's already been done and it's been a struggle and quite honestly i've been praying fervently because that's all i do but i feel like my prayers are just pinging off the roof how many of you been in that situation like come on let's have things happen please of all the people how is it the this righteous person is suffering so immensely when I look around and I see so many wicked people flourishing. It's not right. And I have to confess, I was not in a good way last week. It was during vacation time struggling with this. It's been a constant thing going on and on. And I prayed, and and God, uh, I had a nudge to read through the prophet Habakkuk. Never. It's a kind of fun way to it's a fun thing to say, right? Habakkuk. <laughs> you know, it's kind of. Prophet Habakkuk, three chapters. It's a small little book. It's called a minor prophet. It's a smaller book, and the prophet Habakkuk is interesting because Prophet Habakkuk is a, a prophet, who basically is ticked off at God, asking him why God, why. Asking the same kind of questions that I've been asking, maybe the same kind of questions you've been asking. Why God, why. Why do the righteous and innocent suffer so badly and the wicked, why is it that the wicked are flourishing, getting away with murder and cheating and injustice? Why, God, why? Where are you? And as I read through Habakkuk, it was just maybe not the intensity of Job's comment, but it was, really an affirmation in God was saying, Didi, the answer to Habakkuk is the answer I'm giving to you, and the answer is simply this. Trust me. Trust me. This is the opportunity for you who say, I've heard of you. You're going to now see me. Trust me. And don't stop praying and don't stop doing what i assign you to do but you're going to have to let go of of of, all this need to control you're going to have to hold on to this with prayer hands trust me and the reason i know this was particularly directed to me because at the end of habakkuk there is this line that just jumped out at me and it captured me not only in what it said but in the imagery used Uh, I love goats. How many of you enjoy goats? I love watching them jump around and doing... Have you seen those little cute goats where they're bouncing around and there's that one where this little baby goat's running and he, like, parkours off as like, the other goats? And they all fall over their front. And then have you seen those goats that if you scare them, they, like, fall over and they just lay down with their legs up and do that? I just love goats. And I'm amazed by particularly the goats that are able to climb those mountains. Have you seen those mountain goats, how they climb up there and they're just standing on the edge of this face like like it's nothing. And you're like, how on earth do those little hooves stand up there? And, like, I've seen pictures of them sleeping up there like it's nothing. And so at the end of Habakkuk, there's this line. This is Habakkuk really responding to God. This is his kind of Job response. He says this, The Lord God is my strength. And he has made my feet like hind's feet. The word hind is another word for deer. But my mind went to mountain goat. And he makes me walk on, high pla- on my high places. On my high places. And I read this and I thought, thank you, Lord. I needed that. Because what came to mind is this image right here. See this? <laughs> the mountain goat. A mountain goat standing securely on the side of a mountain in peril on the high places but being able to stand there and to move and to do what it needs to do and I thought that's what God's saying Didi, trust in me because my strength will be like the mountain goat standing on the side I'm going to give you goat feet (laughs) God gives us goat feet So that we might stand in our high places, times of trouble, if we will trust in Him. What would change if I trusted God? What would change in my marriage if I trusted God? What would change in my child-rearing if I trusted God? What would change in the way I approach business if I trusted God? What would change in my fear of issues of anxiety if I trusted God? What would change if I really uh, gave to God those struggles that lead me to, to, to the addictive behaviors that I gauge in if I trusted God? And it's not a, it's, this is not... Uh, uh, Pollyanna, quick statement. No, this is something I want to bear down and say, what would change if I trusted God? Because trusting God is not a passive thing. Trusting God, I believe, is a very active thing because in trusting God, it may mean we have to stand up, speak out, challenge, resist, do those things that may put us out there sharing what God has given to us in order to bless others. It may definitely mean that we're to do our part investing in the few who are on our list of names who God has assigned us to tell them about Jesus. What would change if I trusted God? What in me would change if I trusted God? when you came in we gave you the opportunity to uh, pick up a communion cup now we're doing communion differently this is the we have to do it this way because this is the season in which we want to be mindful of passing things to each other this is not going to be a permanent way of doing this but this is the way we're doing it now but it's different but still the same and so i want you to get your communion cups if you have them online you can grab them and if you would get your bread ready Pull back the top piece. I know it's a little tricky for some, like me. And then pull back the other piece so that you have your, your, the uh, juice ready. I want you to remember the circumstances that led to Jesus instituting this for the church. It was the night on which he was betrayed. It was Thursday night before he was crucified Friday night. And it was part of the Passover feast. And typically our minds go to the fact that he does this and the, the, the mood is typically, in our minds, I think a lot of times, somber and serious. But you have to understand that Passover was like their 4th of July. It was a celebration of God's deliverance from slavery. So Passover had festive elements. I mean, they drank five cups of wine, for goodness sake. Uh, yeah, anyway. Um, But Jesus takes an interesting turn. Based on that proclamation, he says the victory really comes from my death on the cross, my body broken, my blood shed. And in many ways, taking communion is an act of defiance against the forces of the enemy in this world. It's an act of faith that ultimately is an act of resistance against those forces that would want us to cower and not stand and practice the faith that we have in Jesus. And so as we take communion together, I encourage you, as we take the bread and we drink the juice, I encourage you to remember that the practice of our faith in the simple day-to-day acts of obedience, in trusting in God, is how we're called to live our faith, to be part of the family business of bringing good in this world. Let's take the bread. Let's remember and drink the juice. Lord God, we just thank you for this day. I'm just so grateful that we started out today with a baptism. We started out with uh, this young lady making a, a statement of faith and a statement of resistance against the enemy. And her, f- her s- simple words, I need to live for God every day. I pray you would just bless her, that you would strengthen her, and that she would have goat's feet to stand on the mountain. I pray, Lord, that you would help us learn to trust in you, that 2020 will be the year in which we would say, uh, though it was in the valley... Though it was not on the mountaintop, though it was in the times of trouble, it was the moment in which it was the richest blessing to me because in that time I saw God and I came to know Him deeply and I began to learn to trust in Him and to do those things that He calls me to do in my life that has now changed the trajectory of my life into the future that He calls us. I pray that you help us in that in Jesus' name. Amen. So glad you're with us online and on site. I want to let you know if you have any prayer needs, please fill out the form that's uh, available online. There's a form also in the back there at the, uh, in the foyer. If you'd like to talk about what's next in your walk of faith, uh, please feel free to reach out to us. And, uh, you know, the waters of baptism here are always ready for you in that commitment if you have someone that you are talking to who brought you to church, that is someone who uh, you're looking to as they follow Jesus, uh, talk to them about that, next steps, uh, making that commitment. God bless. You can find out more about us on the web at mtcarmelchurch.org.